Oh. We go through training first. Oh, okay. So we don't we don't start the Granicus is an electronic agenda management solution that creates a more efficient agenda routing, unlimited data storage, Microsoft integration for easily importation of files, generates and publishes minutes and seconds, not days, and it's iPad compatible, live streaming on, and on-demand meetings, and easily finds items by using keywords, which we're not able to do so now when someone is able to look up, wants to look up something. It migrates our historical data which is really good for our boards and commission training because now when someone leaves a board or a board of commission we no longer have their historical information we have a pro proprietary program so it doesn't allow us to, to do that but granicus will allow us to keep that information on file it's a touch screen voting and easily manages boards and commissions as i said again and appointments so what i want to do today is introduce joe paladino he's in from new york who represents granicus He's their training expert, and he's been very patient with us for the last seven months. Or so so um, we've had uh, weekly, if not bi-weekly, meetings throughout the last seven months with many members of the city. And um, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, call up Ken here from um, IT, Ken Cremens. And Catherine Whitesell, too, has been very hands-on for this project all along. So thank you both. I appreciate that very much. So what we're going to do now is just give you a basic lesson on how to vote. That's it. Okay. We're going to have several of these 20-minute sessions over the next two months. So we, we will hopefully go live. If not in June, it will be in July. So we're going to – we do have webinars available, and we've had uh, all of our webinars. Our training has been um, – captured through our Marcom department. So we have all the actual training available. And of course, we have Joe's personal number, so we call him at any hour of the day. So first of all, Joe, why don't you come up and uh, I'm going to have the our co-workers in the clerk's office kind of stand behind you in case you need some help in logging on, logging off, that sort of thing. And do you want to say a few words about Granicus before we get everyone set up? Sure, sure. So I uh, just want to say thank you to the, the city for giving us the opportunity here. It's been a, uh, a journey, as Alan said, over the last few months, and um, we're, we're to a place uh, planning has been using us for the last couple of meetings, and things have been going pretty smoothly for them. So I uh, wanted to obviously introduce you guys to the process as well, and we'll look at a couple of things today, just a, a quick voting sample on how to vote through the uh, WeGovern app uh, on the iPad, and then uh, give a quick tutorial on the uh, web portal as well, which is another um, option for you guys to access the agendas and uh, take your own notes on there as well moving forward. So when you arrive at today, this is the screen you'll see. And we already have one council member that has asked to speak. So um, <laughs> we haven't gotten that far yet. So what we're going to do is just, you know, just like the mayor makes some comments when we first get up there, we say the Pledge of Allegiance and we say our prayer. And then the first motion would, would be the motion is to dispense with the reading of the minutes of the previous meeting. So what happens is Tracy will 
set the agenda item. And then this is a little different here because it has a motion and a seconder and there's no way we can remove this from the program. I will say move to vote. And I'll explain this after we get through that first one. If Mayor, you don't vote, I'm going to let you be the last one to vote. And I'll explain that later, too. So we need a mover. Anybody doesn't make any difference. And I'm a shaker. Yeah. Is that okay? I'm a shaker, too. <laughs> I said that the other day. <laughs> giving this presentation to the manager's office. So anybody can be a mover and anybody can be a seconder. And you can change your vote. This just gets it to the vote. Okay, so you may... This, this just says, okay, I'm getting this, you know, to a voting status. Okay, now, then I'll say, place your vote. Okay. And everyone will place the vote. No, yes. Thank you. Now, you to see. abstain. You're waiting on you. So, you're, so you vote, and then you'll end the vote. No. I did no and abstain. Well, you can only do one. You can only do one. Now, before the mayor, we have to decide. The mayor may say, are all votes placed or something? Because you may have one more opportunity to change your vote. Once the mayor hits his vote and then in vote, your vote is on the record. So, so Alan, let me ask. So, um, there are there are a few scripts that we could that we could use. Yes, sir. We need to probably go over those. You and Alan. Yes, sir. Yes. So, yes, sir. because there's a there's a way that you can do it. Because well, the, the question will be, if any member would like to change their vote. Place your bets. I'm sorry. Change your <laughs> And then, um, if all members voted, then the clerk cl closed the roll. Now, I'll, I, 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 so we'll figure it out. Because, I mean, I'd rather to have some instructions to the council members. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I made sure I got an affirmative look. Everybody's done there. We're going to change your vote. So we'll, 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 yeah, we can work. And yeah. as I said, we're going to have four or five 20-minute sessions between now and when we go live. And so we'll we'll have tons of questions to answer after this. After you do that vote, um, we had one occasion where council member changed their mind about a vote after the vote. So even though so, you end the vote, can yeah, if so, somebody changes their mind after that, yeah, so that can a, they? So, Vernon, we did that before. So it would be a motion to reconsider uh, the vote that, uh, and I call the whatever the ordinance is. Okay. And that needs to be, uh, that's a vote. Even to recall it is a vote. So, yeah, to recall it is a vote. Okay. Uh, and the person voted on the prevailing side would have to, Okay, it you know, was. Yeah, say, it was. I remember that. It was. Mrs. Gray that, has yes. to vote on the prevailing side. Okay. She moves that we reconsider whatever it is. Okay. Someone has a second. Okay. Yeah. And, and the motion is, is to recall it up first. Okay. And then and then, then reboot. We'll okay. Okay. And then and so I'll we'll script, we, we need to script yeah, that out and then I'll make sure that in front of your place setting you will know not that we'll make a habit of a habit of doing that. Mm -hmm. But you have it just in case. Yes. That was code. And a couple of things. We'll see that better. We're gonna go through one regular agenda item, so you'll see how that would perhaps work in that case much better than this. I'll just spend some minutes. And then what will happen is behind you, you'll have a an 80 inch screen that's up there. It's not working tonight, and it will show your votes all at once. Okay. It will not show you individually voting. It was once the mayor hits vote in vote, then this screen will pop up so that everyone will be able to see how people voted for this particular ordinance or item. Okay. And then what we'll do is just go to a regular agenda item. And so I'll, the, the mayor will ask me to read the ordinance, which I will. Then he will call for speakers, which she still does. And the only thing that will change is this is a point where the mayor will have to ask 
you all as council members, do you have any questions, concerns, comments? So then after that, then we'll go in, I'll read the um, dispense with the charter for requirements for reading ordinance twice and adopt with the effective date. That's the new thing we're going to read. And then we'll have to decide whether you move to vote. That's where the move and the seconder comes in. You place your vote and then it's adopted. But however, if it's somehow or another, someone decides afterwards, well, why, you know, we have to go through this process and then we have to make several changes over here. And it's not that you can just, I mean, we can go back and clear the vote, but then you have to add different ordinances in and stuff at the last minute. So, motion. So, like, when people come before us and we make changes to proffers or mm -hmm. things like that from the floor, that... We have to make that note in this because the minutes, we're doing the minutes on the fly right now. Okay. And then, you know, we can go back and clean them up later, but right now we're trying to get as much in as possible okay. for this system to work the way it's supposed to work. Okay. And, you know, we will note that because oftentimes Mr. Pishko will, you know, right. will note some changes. The changes made at the floor. So, right. So, okay. So, why don't we go down to another item so you can see. We're just going down. I'm just letting you see how the, the information works. <coughs> sure. Okay. So this is what we're voting on. This ordinance right here. I'm sorry. What are we voting on? Oh, uh, okay. An ordinance to amend oh, and okay. reordain. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so how do I, let's just say I want to say how do I know, but, but I'm saying no, That's but how do you, 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 you when it comes out? So initially yeah, there's a mover button that pops up. Okay. Once somebody moves it, there's a seconder button that pops up. Tracy has set us up to see that. But so the, doesn't correspond to Yeah, at the top it doesn't say R1. But you can see um, all of the ordinances on there. Second up here. Uh, it says it right so you have to be paying attention. You can't be on your phone. Yeah, yeah you have to look. Yeah, but where you have is it before the blue bar? Before it's in second. Uh, it, but that doesn't say R1. Within this. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Up here. Well, we're going to have. Oh, this is because that's how you see it. I didn't see it. To, it goes um, close. Oh, okay. <laughs> see, this is a different numbering system. So, so I see I'm just saying. We just need like, to with both of them on there, it's not, if it was just that one. one minute. I actually. It's number nine on the regular agenda. Right. Right. So, just to let y'all know, Mr. Cisco and Mr. Smith can see everything you're seeing, except they don't have voting options. Right? It's nine one. One is the R one. Nine means regular agenda. Okay, I see it. Okay, now I second this, but it says my vote is a second. So what does that mean? Speaker, the speaker, right? So you put it in front. Just no, I didn't. I just seconded. That was second to vote on it, not second to agree to it. First speak is Andrew McClellan. With it, you can change. That's what I was saying. That's we got to look at. Blah blah blah. Thank you so much. We have a good question here on the floor. Okay, gotcha. 
Yeah. Right, hit your speaker. You have a good hit your speaker button. I can't even. The top right here. I'm prepared to speak. Yes, sir. You speak now. You have the floor. Okay, so Councilwoman Graves just second the vote. However, it came up as a positive yes, and she didn't vote. Well, it will always come up as, as so a green vote. They always start with that. And the mover, because you're just moving it. But that doesn't mean you voted in favor of it. That's where you can change it. But, before she the said, but she said if I don't change it, then it does take it yes. as an affirmative. That is correct. So if I second something that I'm don't, opposing, don't I need to make sure that I hit no. Because yeah. otherwise, just either don't second yeah. it or make sure that I record my vote said, properly. It has also been said that there has, there has been a motion where a council member, not here, but in another city, that absolutely opposed it, but they needed to move it forward to vote it down. Uh, okay. So he said, okay. I'm seconding this motion, but I'm not voting for it. Gotcha. So he just made it, even though he moved it forward. How do you then get okay. your vote? Opportunity back to say no. You can still click on it. Right there. Hit your speaker button. Yes. You, you, can yeah, see that. <laughs> you can change it until he's yeah. to the mayor. Um, That's why the mayor may have to. I don't to to change it. They just cut you off. Okay. That's how we do it. Oh, he can. All right. So, so are there any other questions for this? This do, do another one. Okay. It's a No. All right, let's just do um, PH1. All right, public hearing scheduled to stay under state law, notice having been inserted in the local press by the city clerk to take care of a lease on property known as 240 East Main Street. You have your speaker's list. All right, Mr. Sniggle. No, no, this is speakers oh, from the day of oh, the, okay. the audience. All right. All right, and then after he's Oh, they're already going to be in here? Right. No, no, thank you. <laughs> they're already going to be in here? No. Okay. no. I would okay. like to speak. Huh. So what? Any comments from the council? I, I just okay. need speaker, Mr. Mayor. Oh, I see. Andrea, Amy, got four speakers. I got Tommy. I never, I didn't hit speak. I didn't clear him out. That's the last one. So I didn't clear him out. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you have to cancel. I have to hit on done speaking. Yes. And you don't want to speak. Everybody's cleared out. Okay. All right. Now, so. That should have cleared out. Should it not He cleared us out. I cleared you out. I took him off. Yeah. So if I don't want you to speak, I can clear you out. Does that come with so, an electric shock? Good luck <laughs> shutting me up, okay? <laughs> now, remember, now remember, we're going to speak before we vote. Any kind of comment? You can't get off this move in second business. You can't get rid of that. Nope. Alan has asked for the last seven months. So why do you have that feature to move in the second? Um, we, 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 we follow Jefferson's rules here. We understand. Understand. Uh, it's with our. We've not adopted Roberts. Reviewing that currently to see if there's something that we can do. 
Please remove that, because we don't follow Roberts. We just only get this. I will let them know your Thank you. Speak. Yes. So this is your Maybe. chance to to speak, I believe. <laughs> I hit my speaker. <laughs> so I I was the mover this time, and it's on a yes vote for me. Because you moved it. Right. But you can change your vote. I can change it. Yes. Once it's done with the moving and the seconding, then you can change, change your vote. Okay. Because yeah. it's so before he votes, you can change it. Right. So so, so what will happen is I will ask. Yeah. Make sure you do it before the mayor. Has everyone cast their vote? Okay. Does anyone want to change their vote? No. <clears throat> I would say clerk, call the roll. And, that, and that's going to do it. But we don't have to call so, the roll anymore, do we? Close the roll. Do we, we don't have to call the roll, roll anymore. Slow your roll. We close the roll. Would you say slow your roll? We do call the roll only because when we sign these on, it logs you in. We want to make sure you're there actually when the meeting you know, starts. He's, Kenny's talking about, he's talking about another. Close the roll. Close the roll. Mayor and I are going to work at the timing and all that but as i said we're going to meet again for a session this could be some close so everyone when you leave please get up and leave this is my prep for we'll take care of all of the, the equipment for you and everything you see so um the vote results we can see but and you can scroll through the vote results where um, vote results. Oh, vote results. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where do I get Okay. Okay. So, Alan. I'm the one who has to decide whether it's passed or not. Whether it requires a supervisory office. And if I don't know, then uh, somebody will have to tell me. That's not very efficient. It'll be on the screens. It can't be on my screen? It is on your screen. No, it's not. They're telling me I don't get to see your vote. You don't, don't get, get to see to the know. vote results? <laughs> that may be a good thing. There's, <laughs> my, but he has you have a question about There's only one the, screen and it's behind we us. Will he be able to turn yeah. and look at it? He'll be able to face it. It seem to me to be more efficient. It would, it if it's right screen. there. For, I agree with you on that one, Bernard. I think this is going to be great after we get another few tweaks. Sure. May I ask, though, one of the tweaks I think we brought up is in the description of the item if it could correspond to the actual agenda item as we see, whether it's R1, yeah, this is just a test, though. Okay. So you'll put that in front of you. Do you want to vote? Thank you. I do not want to vote. Robert, we can change the rules. So we're going to come around and collect these now so that Mr. Smith can start his report. We were just having fun. One more. One more. One more. One more. One more. One more. We're not Clark? taking these with us. These yeah. will stay oh, yeah, this, this is a one more. You ready? Thank you. Yes. 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 Mr. Clerk, uh, pH two. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, consent agenda. We okay. Take it off the consent agenda. Adopt the consent agenda. Um. So we need to just call for the vote. So we can call for the vote. All right. Somebody just move it. Mine isn't on there. Okay. All right. Else all the members voted. Yeah. No. So what happened to mine? I know, but why didn't mine come up? I got I need one more. Mr. Riddick, Mr. Riddick, you're on this page. Mr. Riddick, please vote. There you go. Does anyone want to change your vote? It doesn't come up individually. But it didn't come up at first. Mr. Clerk, call the roll. Agenda adopted. Once it's in, you'll have your. You can see the title, so it's going to be centered on the title. And what will it show on the back screen? Okay. This. 
did y'all see that? We'll actually have our pictures with us. Yes, we do. And Bernard, you to see that. Yeah, sure you'll, you'll see the, the, yeah. the monitors up there tonight. Yeah, I, mean, I look ten years younger. I'd like to request that to me. Right. Oh, I don't think we need to have our voting done like. Bernard, I made the same general assembly where it just pops up when I went through trading. I mean, can we just have it like where it just pops up? No, no, I want it to be where. Sorry, you can see it come up like as people vote. That's what I want to see. I don't want that. I said I want it like three. We would never I thought the mayor and vice mayor should always move in second. You guys can just always. I mean, I want to hit speak. I'm not ready. I mean, that should be one of the perks of being the vice mayor. You get to push a button. They just kicked you out. I'm supporting you. I'm second. They were just kicked me out. going to be an article written about all of our little comments. This I hit the speak button. She can do the honorary moving. We can have her do the mover. What time we got here? Four thirty, Mr. Manager. Showing is we're ready. Are we ready to go live? <laughs> Mr. Smith, welcome. Sir, I don't know much about Granicus. What I do know is we will not be using it until after you have adopted the budget. <laughs> <laughs> So we will have that vote oh, the old-fashioned way. Uh, all right. So uh, I'll run you through the agenda uh, real quick, which is um, uh, Mary Miller, whom everyone knows as president and CEO of Downtown Dolphin Council, is here with um, some of our board members and um, is going to talk to you about the, uh, the deed renewal. Uh, many of you have been through this process uh, five years ago, but we'll talk about 2019 as a time, and that's on your agenda uh, for May 14th. Um, so she'll come up and chat with you about that and a couple of tweaks that uh, they're going to make uh, or suggest that you make relative, very modest to the boundary and some things we're going to do around economic development. Um, uh, Jared uh, Chalk, economic development director, is going to jump up after that um, and talk about um, uh, incentives for the Neon District. We've talked a lot about those, talked a lot about those with uh, the Downtown Norfolk Council and, and he'll take a few minutes to make some recommendations to you so, so we can get that buttoned up. Uh, then Richard Broad will step up and uh, give you our recommendation for recycling, frankly, to continue the recycling program in take a few minutes and talk about that. And I know we've had some questions in here and the uh, literally thousands of people that are going to show up for the IKEA grand opening and um, Lori Crouch and Lieutenant Lovely are going to step forward and just tell you about the plan and just what you'd expect. I mean, obviously, uh, we're doing a lot to get ready for that, but um, this is a, 
tremendous deal for IKEA as well, and and they have done this before, and they know what their system is, and they've, they've laid out some plans. But we want you to know what those are um, as we prepare for uh, that opening next month. And then we've got one item for closed session, and uh, when that's done at uh, 6:30, we'll slip upstairs. I'll make the uh, provide you all uh, the budget proposal for the fiscal year 2020, and um, I will be done well before seven o'clock and give you a chance to. Take a quick break and then come back to the seven o'clock meeting. Uh, so, with that said, I'm going to ask uh, Mary Miller to step forward and talk to you about uh, the. And then don't forget, we got council concerns today. Yes. Okay. City Council um, and manager. I am joined this evening by uh, Jim Wofford, who is our immediate past chair of the Downtown Norfolk Council Board of Directors and who also served as the uh, chair of our uh, steering committee. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Thanks, Kim. So, so a what is it? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Am I? Sorry. Um, so a little bit of background on the improvement district. The original district was formed in 1999. Um, it was when city council ordained a 48 block area of downtown. And um, since 1999, when the first um, improvement district tax was levied, the district has collected more than $31 million in taxes that have supported a lot of a significant number of initiatives in the downtown. Um, the district was reordained by city council in 09 and again in 2014 and as the manager indicated it is set to expire this year in June of 2019. Um, since the inception of the district it has been managed under contract to the city by the downtown Norfolk Council. So this is a map, it's a little blurry, but shows the boundaries of the district since it has been in existence since 1999 and we'll talk a little bit later about the slight modification. Um, DNC is a 501c6 corporation. In accordance with our bylaws, we um, have 30, uh, 30 member boards. 16 of the members represent the DIG, and 14 members represent the membership part of our organization. And our members serve staggered terms of three years. We also work very hard to make sure we have liaisons with other organizations. So we have liaisons to our board from fest events, from the Virginia Arts Festival, from seven venues, uh, Visit Norfolk, and our Downtown Civic League, as well as the Freemason <coughs> Civic League. Um, each year, the board approves a work plan and budget, and that is with input from staff and the executive committee and the board. And just a note aside, we also have a 501c3 organization um, fund, which has allowed us over the years to do things and collect charitable contributions towards our Vibrant Spaces program for a lot of the projects that we do in the Neon District and in um, for Complete Streets. Slight um, history of the rate, you can see in 90, 1999 it was at 24 cents per hundred for three months and that was to get the district up and running. It then dropped to 20 for 24 months, 18 for the next um, basically uh, four or five years and then it's been at 16 cents um, per hundred since 09. With one penny since 09 being held by the city and it is what you'll see later is but what is funded the Granby Arch Lighting Project which will be completed this year. So our property classifications have changed over time. Today, um, the largest property classification does remain at commercial office space and retail and services being the next classification, mainly in part due to MacArthur Center. You can see vacant land at one um, and residential rental has increased over time now at 15%. 
and our, uh, the program expense and support and how our budget is allocated, about 50% of it, the pub, what you see is public service and hospitality, our flex team and our clean team ambassadors. That is, again, about 50% of our budget. So those are the operation side of our um, organization. Special projects of the work we do on complete streets, neon district, vibrancy is under that category marketing and now um, for the past two years we've had that special category for Selden Market. So quickly I'll go through our accomplishments over the past five years for the organization. Um, this was a project that we were fortunate to partner with the City of Norfolk on. The City provided us with uh, $50,000 worth of funding for Phase 1 of this wayfinding program. The Downtown Norfolk Council hired a consultant to actually do the design of the program, and then we managed the implementation of the program. We are continuing to work with the designer on continuing um, this program to extend it throughout downtown. We have, for a long time, been advocates of choices for mobility. Um, so we have worked to fund Cheryl's on Granby Street, partnered again with the city on the bike rack project. We're one of the original sponsors of the Pace Bike Share program, so we signed on to that initiative for three years. And then last year, signed on to be a $50,000 sponsor for the Elizabeth River Trail. The board felt that that investment was worth it because it really will provide, be an economic development driver for not just downtown, but for the entire city. And then um, we launched um, in downtown the first parklet program. We still put one or two parklets out today um, and then worked with our complete streets committee to um, on outdoor dining examples and then worked with the city to draft what are in uh, proposal form right now, but new outdoor dining guidelines for downtown. And then many of you obviously know that back in 2013, we moved the plot from what is now the main hotel site to the Neon District. It is currently on private property. We lease this property from the owner, um, and then we maintain and program this site. And then obviously since um, over the past five years, we've put a lot into um, artwork in the district. We have now over 30 murals in the district that we've worked to coordinate either DNC is funded directly or is funded in partnership with property owners and or with grants um, from other organizations. And then the um, Neon Festival, which um, this year in 2019 will be our fifth annual festival. It's a great way for us to show off the district um, and highlight the businesses there and bring all the arts organizations together. And then we do a neon holiday market in December. Um, so we've been doing that for about four or five years as well. And then again, partnered with the city on a um, unique wayfinding system for the neon district. It includes um, parking signage. So signage in like the Harrison Opera House lot, the Chrysler Museum lot on the lot at the plot, identifying to people that those parking areas are available after hours. Um, you'll see uh, one of the traffic control boxes was wrapped in public art um, last summer. The neon cube at the intersection of Granby and Brambleton, and then the wayfinding signs that have changeable art panels in them at the bottom. So, and not pictured here are the glass discs that are in the sidewalk that provide wayfinding. We, um, as part of this project, did set aside a reserve for maintenance and updating of the changeable art pieces in that wayfinding signage. And then annually, we also allocate, set aside over $50,000 for uh, matching grants, our vibrancy grant program that we have in downtown. 
And then, of course, the Selden Market, which you all know um, much about. Um, we are very happy that we are able to operate the market at a zero net budget for us. So we're able to collect, obviously, enough in revenues to offset our expenses other than staff time. Um, but it's really um, ac the activity in the market has really picked up. And then we do a lot of events to celebrate downtown. We do Employee Appreciation Week, which will be coming up in May. Um, random acts of kindness, so everything from serving lemonade to giving away popcorn on the street. Um, a healthy downtown initiative. So last summer it was running up and down the stairs at Harbor Park, but it's a way to um, get our residents and our workers to interact with one another. And then Restaurant Week, which we started in 2006, and this still is going strong. Um, we talked to the restaurants about changing it up, but they want to keep it as it is. So we'll, we do it twice a year in July and then again in January. And then First Fridays, our first First Fridays will be coming up in about 10 days. Um, we started this initiative in 2013. The season runs from April through October. And then we have worked with the city on um, parking initiatives over time and then worked on a marketing campaign when parking um, hours were changed um, some time ago. And then our favorite thing, um, our dogs in downtown, um, I think the rental properties will tell us that about 70% of the renters in downtown have pets. Um, this was a project that we obviously partnered with the city, a marathon development on, to have the first dog park in downtown. And then DN DNC does ongoing maintenance to this park. Um, we also work to have a new marketing ad campaign to combat dog waste in downtown. And um, now have a dog advisory committee of residents in downtown to deal with all things dogs. So. And then, um, and in our social media, we've worked very hard to make sure that downtown's getting the attention it needs. Um, we've seen since 2015 a 171% increase in Facebook, a 47% increase in Twitter, and a 346% increase in Instagram. And this does not include Neon District or Selden Market, which also they have their own social media channels. That's just our downtown Norfolk channels. For those of you that have uh, received our communications, you know we communicate a lot. Um, we send out fast facts with weekly information about what's happening in downtown. Uh, we do street smarts when there are street closures or repaving, as we're going through right now on Bush Street. Um, Neon District has its own newsletter. The DT100 has its own newsletter. And Selden Market uh, will, also be will also have its own newsletter. And then we also partner with um, the Greater Norfolk Corporation and other businesses in the community and the city to produce our Live NFK, the, the uh, Norfolk Summer Career Launch Program. This summer will be our sixth year of doing this program, a program for um, college interns and summer associates. And then another um, publication we print is Downtown Data. It's a key indicators of activities in downtown and um, everything from vacancy rates to square footage rates, average rates, and this is something that our commercial leasing agents use. And then obviously the operations team. We have our hospitality, our clean team, and our flex team, which uh, flex team are our ambassadors that are cross-team to either be hospitality ambassadors or clean team ambassadors, depending upon the needs of downtown. And then we also have Fred, which on the left-hand side, which a lot of people, our favorite employee in our organization. And then advocacy. Um, we have a bi-monthly property managers coalition. We bring people together in downtown to talk about um, interest and topics of interest to them, our restaurant coalition, and then work on advocacy efforts as, as needed. 
And then, as I already mentioned, the, six, the one penny was used to fund this Granby Arch Light Project. And the last three arches are underway uh, right now. The construction's ongoing north of, of Olney Road. So where are we on the renewal recommendations? So there's a slight um, change, um, as the manager mentioned, to the boundary. And uh, I have a map on the next slide. But it's basically to extend Duke Street south to Brook Avenue. And what that does is pick up two of uh, parcels of the heritage at Freemason Apartments. Right now, one of them is in. This would pick up the remaining two. Um, the recommendation is that the ma rate maintain at 16 cents um, per 100. The length of renewal go to seven years. It's common practice now in our industry of downtown management organizations that it be seven to ten years um, as the organizations have matured. And then the one service that we're recommending be added to um, the organization is to work on economic development. And this is not in any way to replicate what the city is doing from economic development, but to create a position that would have um, the ability to be totally focused on downtown, so mainly be responsible for data collection research so that we would have absolutely at the top of our fingers anything and everything about downtown at our hands, and then to also establish strong relationships with our businesses in downtown to be able to do strong business retention and also be help with problem solving as well, and then um, as necessary support whatever city initiatives um, that or recruitment that the city may be going after to attract businesses to our downtown. So this would be creating a new position in the organization. And then this map um, on the highlighted on the left hand side in a slight brown tone, you will see the other two parcels that would be included in the change in boundaries. That's it. <laughs> Uh, thank Mary, you. thank you very much. Uh, Kim, if you don't mind putting um, slide 31 back up, um, which is the recommendations, maybe we have them above while you all chat or ask questions, but just want you to know we, we're uh, a staff fully supportive of the recommendations that she's put forward to you all. This will come to you all on the 14th. Uh, we've had um, a chance to sort of walk all through this. Very supportive of the, the move, in, and, and Ms. Doyle and I have talked about this a lot, the move into economic developments. I think the things that they want to do um, are very complimentary of the things that Jared and his staff do. So uh, we are obviously um, appreciative of DNC. And I told um, uh, Mary a couple of weeks ago that when I, when I got here, um, there, you know, we were drinking out of a fire hose, and there were certain things that were just humming, and we stayed out of stayed out of them. So one of them it's been a pleasure to to know the DNC um, had their work running well and, and smoothly, and, and we're certainly appreciative of that. But certainly, we recommend uh, everything she's put in front of you all today. Thank you. All right, Jared. Good evening, Mayor, members of Council. Um, to piggyback off what uh, Mary said about the Neon District, um, we've been working really closely with DNC on uh, Neon District uh, incentives. Um, so I want to run through some of the goals and objectives, um, talk about the state incentives. So this is a state incentive that we are um, tapping into, um, some of the eligible businesses, um, current incentives in the Neon, and then a recommendation. Um, 
So, um, you know, one of the goals and objectives of, of this is to reinforce arts and design. So really create that cultural and entertainment sort of catalyst in the Neon District. Um, ensure that we're supporting incentives that support these uses. Um, ensure that live workspace is supported by city ordinances um, and encourage ground floor uses that involve art and that are pedestrian friendly. Um, also build the economy. Um, so arts and arts organizations are a key element of economic development, um, tourism, destination promotion. Those are things that we want to encourage. Um, they bring people to downtown. They bring people into Norfolk um, that sp spend money. So growing the tax base, um, encouraging uh, potential owners and, and making owners aware of this uh, incentive program um, and achieving full occupancy in the district. So we've got some vacant spaces. We want to ensure that um, that it's 100% full. Um, and so the state, state code allows by ordinance localities to have specific incentives for arts districts. Um, and the purpose um, of this is to increase awareness of the arts and support for the arts. So the incentives that we're talking about here are really all arts focused. So they're for businesses that are either digital arts, culinary arts, visual arts, those types of businesses. It, this doesn't apply to every uh, type of business that's out there. Um, and you'll see here's uh, Virginia Beach, Williamsburg, and Richmond, um, some of the uses that they have identified that they would support. Um, we're working uh, right now on our list of, of the types of businesses that we want to support. Um, so, um, you know, you can see art galleries, uh, crafts, the culinary arts, um, digital arts. There's some, some discussion there whether sort of IT firms that uh, would they qualify under digital arts. So we're, we're working through that. Um, but again, you can see they're all arts-related type businesses. Um, this also, the Neon District has current incentives in place. Um, so the tax abatement program um, works for any business citywide. Um, the Auto Row Historic District is an overlay district that's, that's in this area. Um, so they get state and federal historic tax credits for building re rehabilitations. Um, the tech uh, trail incentives, which we brought to you several weeks ago, um, also as an overlay on the site. Um, and then our CAP program. So the recently uh, announced um, development CAP program um, that we've rolled out, they also would qualify for all the businesses. And then DNC has uh, uh, two grants, the Vibrant Spaces program and the Public Art Grant program um, that also apply in this area. So what we're recommending and really what we're trying to do is, is give some meaningful um, relief to some of the small arts organizations um, that really don't impact the city budget. Um, so we're, wait, we're um, recommending that we waive the 100% of the permit fees for building electrical, mechanical, plumbing, and, and site plan um, application um, in the district. Um, we're also recommending that we provide BPOL relief uh, with no minimum investment. Um, so 100% in the first two years and 50% in the third year. And BPOL, it's based on gross receipts of the business, so it can eat anywhere from $50 um, on up. Um, and so with that, um, we're recommending that council um, uh, establish uh, the downtown arts and cultural district and provide incentives uh, for the support and creation of arts and um, cultural businesses in the district. Um, on the B poll for the first two years, um, usually a business is not at the $100,000 mark, so it's just a flat $50 fee. In that 50% for a year, for the third year, are we are we keeping that flat $50 fee if they're under $100, or are we charging them $25, or what are we doing? 
Um, it'd be 25 based on, based on this. Okay. All right, thank you. So, Mayor, if y'all are supportive, we'll bring this, uh, uh, we'll refine the, the, the eligible business types um, and get it on, on your agenda as soon as uh, perhaps that uh, same time as we do the did approval. Ms. McClellan. I, I just wanted to um, thank Jared. I really wanted to thank Mary, Rachel, and your team. This is, uh, and, and uh, Councilwoman Doyle and I have been talking about this. Um, it, it, this is something we really need to do. Uh, we did a great job. Y'all did a great job. It was before my time launching the Neon District and supporting it. And it's it, we need to give it some more love and some more attention now. It's gone a couple years, and I think we need to get reinvigorated and provide the incentives there. We're hearing that from the business owners, and uh, this would be a great way for us to do that. So I really thank you for bringing it to our attention, and I'm sorry we haven't gotten it sooner, but I think we are supportive of it. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, Ms. Graves. Yeah. Um, so, quick question on the fees and permits and revenue. What are we you saying? Waive 100% of the fees. What did, what does that number look like? What so we'll did we Jared and I were chatting issue? About this. It, it, for a, I, I'm going to tell you that for I'm going to give you a general answer, and then what we'll do is give you a couple of case studies that say, hey, a business that looks like this would have these kinds of revenue. Well, I mean, you can tell me from the Neon District if you had businesses that moved in and they needed to get permits, what did they spend? Um, right. You want? Uh, um, I can't. I can't tell you. Right, but that, that's what I want. Right. I want to know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, what kind of numbers are we talking about right. in terms of what has happened? So, if we double what has already happened, what kind of revenue are we talking about giving away? And then, what kind of revenue are the businesses that are there generating? And what do we look to? What are we expecting to get in terms of revenue back to the city? Yeah, and we'll get that for you. What I would say to you is looking at. Um, Richmond and Stanton and uh, now Virginia Beach and some of these communities, the, the revenues from our perspective are pretty modest. Uh, for the small business just going, getting going, they're, they're significant. So what, what I'm going to tell you is for a modest amount of money, we think we'll see some pretty big benefit, but we'll get you specific numbers okay. on what you would have given on some of these businesses that have already moved in there. All right. All right, Richard. Um, this evening, um, I would like to briefly provide some background on where we are in curbside recycling, um, present the results of the resident survey we did on recycling last month, and recommend a way forward. So I think you've seen this slide a couple of times in different formats, but summarizing, um, when China and other countries uh, enacted strict restrictions on their contamination rates for imported recyclables, the uh, market price for recyclables pretty much plunged. Um, as a result, the city's recycling contractor opted to exercise their option to terminate their contract uh, effective November 1st, 2018. Um, they graciously agreed to extend the contract, and that extension ends March 31st. The city solicited bids, and we received two responses. Um, the lowest bid would add about $1 million annually to the cost of our curbside recycling. And, and as I said, last month, the city launched, Marcom launched a recycling survey online. It was very popular. Um, we got some very interesting results. So this is a graphical survey of, of, the, of the survey results. 
So we got about 3,400 responses, and not surprising, about 97% of the people who responded actually participate in recycling already. So when we asked residents if they'd be willing to pay uh, more to continue recycling, as a pie chart shows, 62% said they would. And the heat map in the upper right-hand corner looks like the colors have changed since uh, first put this up. So the, it shows the distribution of responses. So the darker colors show the more respondents and the lighter colors less responses. The bottom right-hand um, heat map and the table to its left show the distribution of the uh, citizens who said yes to raising, being willing to pay more for recycling, and it's broken down by zip code. You'll note that um, all the zip codes except one um, had more than half of the respondents say they'd be willing to pay more to continue curbside recycling. So staff's recommendation uh, based on these results and the two bids we received is to um, award the contract to TFC. Um, we would fund this in the remain, re remainder of FY19 with fund balance, and then um, in the proposed FY20 budget, restore $2 of the $3 reduction that we recently gave back to the, for the refuse fee. Questions? Yes. I, um, looking at that chart of respondents, um, given our population size, I think that's a really low number. I would personally like to have the survey open back up for a couple of weeks to push it back out and see if we can get more um, responses um, to that because I'm looking at some of the zip codes that are in my super ward and those numbers are very very low and so I'd like to push it back out again and see what and, and get some additional responses back so I think that's a good point um, in terms of making sure folks have enough time I think this was open for Three weeks, two weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks. And typically, and I asked the question because I wanted to know what, as a representation of online surveys that the city does, what do we typically get? Is this low? Is this high? And uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, typically we get about 200 responses for the entire city. This is more than we've gotten for any survey in the past. Um, and it was on Nextdoor, it was on the city's website, Facebook, Twitter. Everything else, so I it was mean, was pushed out by TFC too. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I don't know about that, but I'm saying this the social. I mean, I know I did. I was trying to get response, so I actually, I don't, I'm not sure having to extend it for another two weeks. I think we've done what we needed to do. And well, again, I'm just looking people at people can choose not to, to participate or not, but it wasn't. They can. I just, in the interest of trying to be comprehensive, and we're talking, I mean, it's $2, and it doesn't make a hill of beans a difference to me one way or the other. I'm going to pay the bill. But I would like the opportunity to just make sure that we are able to comprehensively cover the city and give everybody an opportunity. Okay. All right. Any other comments? So, but, the item, but, the, but, the, well, absolutely, Ms. Graves and I had a chance to talk about that this afternoon. So, so Mark, I was prepared to. Do that, but in terms of the recommendation we're making, we got we've um, got some timing issues. Uh, unless somebody uh, says something differently to me tonight, our intent is to award the contract, 
pay for um, uh, the remainder of nine, fiscal year 19 with uh, fund balance. And you'll hear me tonight make a re recommendation for the $2 in the 20 budget. And obviously, you'll have a chance to, to discuss that in the 20 budget. But we would, we would execute the contract. Is recycling still continuing at the schools? Everything's continuing? What we want to do is continue what we already have. So if it's there now, schools, I think the schools is managed under a different contract, I believe, because they're separate from the city. I think it is managed under the city. It's done differently. That's always been a little vague to me. Yeah, I think there's some either. Can I also stress that we do a review of our education of what we should be recycling as residents so that we're using what is in the contract according to us by household. I think it's a two dollar per household education fee or whatever. Whatever we're doing, can we do better education in the community to students and to residents alike so that we're doing better in our schools and that we're going to be doing better in our homes so that we know what we should be recycling and what we shouldn't be recycling. So I think education is key, and I would stress that as part of this rollout. Absolutely. And one of the things you're going to hear me say in a few minutes is, um, you know, this in many ways is a temporary solution. I mean, we, we, this is a this is a challenge for um, communities across this country in trying to figure out exactly the kinds of things you're talking about, what the what the permanent solutions are going to be. And frankly, we're going to y'all heard me say this. We're going to need to change some of our habits and choices and how we get how we buy our goods and how we throw our goods away and all so i think that's a, a big conversation we'll be having in this coming year all right i just to uh, echo what Courtney was saying I, I mean this is i i support this but i do think that we can't stop here that we have got to uh, <coughs> as a community do a better job of reducing the contamination, educating people on what they can do, what they can't do. And the city needs to walk the walk and talk the talk, and we need to do a better job recycling in our buildings, um, which we could improve upon, and reduce, reuse, recycle, and maybe having more of this and less of this water bottles. So, um, and we'll be talking about that when we present Dr. the. Give you an explanation of why we don't do. We present the climate water. action plan. <laughs> um, we present the climate action plan uh, next week. We're going to be talking about that. It was one of the components, but yeah, we you know, this is good, but this isn't. This is this is stopgap. So I think we also, in other words, we need to a plan on how we're going to educate because we really do need to get the schools involved because everything goes in one big can in the dumpster. Yeah, I think we could do a much better job in our school division through education and implementation. Good luck. All right. Mr. Riddick. Yeah. When it comes to um, educating the public, I think what we need to concentrate initially is on children. Because, you know, they are the ones who quite often are left in the kitchen and doing picking up different things. And when you get your children, your students and children involved in, in recycling, you're creating a new generation of, of people, you know, going to be recycling. When I was on the uh, SIPSA board, uh, you know, 100 years ago, I made that recommendation. Myra uh, Opendahl was the chairman. But nobody followed up on it. If we, if we get our children, you know, to uh, concentrate on recycling, at our, let's say at our football games, and you know, they have these hippopotamus-type uh, trash cans for recycling and things like that. So this is where we need to concentrate, I believe, is, is with youngsters, 
because we'd be creating future generations of, of, uh, of, of recyclers. I am pleased to bring you up to speed on some of the exciting events taking place as we prepare to saw a log and officially open IKEA Norfolk. Uh, the IKEA team led by Charlie, uh, General Manager Charlie Plisko, they have been absolutely amazing. We are collaborating at all levels with state and local partners to ensure not only a great grand opening day, but the following days and weeks are smooth as well. IKEA has teed up several invite-only test shopping and media events ahead of the grand opening day. I will tell you, you're going to need to prepare to rise and shine very early on the grand opening day on uh, April the 10th. IKEA is expecting about 10 to 15,000 people on the grand opening day. They will open the parking lot at 5 a.m. and the festivities will start at 6 a.m. with entertainment. I hear there's a band. It's going to be fun. Um, the ceremonies does start at 8.20 in the morning. I am pleased to share with you that the Lake Taylor High School Band will participate. They are going to play the national anthem. And raising the Virginia flag is 90-year-old U.S. Marine Reserves and Korean War veteran Sergeant Miriam Triskiti. She is one of several women who are actually going to be featured this year in the Virginia International Tattoo, which is honoring women who serve in the military. The ceremony will re include remarks from our mayor and conclude with a traditional log sawing that, sir, I hope you know you are participating in. <laughs> the store will officially open at 9 a.m. So the message really for the grand opening day is to come early um, and uh, give yourself plenty of time. IKEA is making arrangements for shuttle service. Um, and as I mentioned, this has been a super collaborative effort. Uh, Norfolk, Virginia Beach Police, uh, Norfolk traffic engineers, state police, VDOT have all been working on a traffic plan that is going to keep people moving. So it's very exciting. And I'm going to turn it over to Lieutenant Lovely, who will give you the details. I appreciate it. Good, good evening, everyone. Uh, so I've been tasked with creating the the traffic plan for the IKEA opening. Uh, obviously, we're expecting the highest or heaviest volume of traffic uh, opening day. Uh, we had a lot of lessons learned from the uh, premium outlets opening, so we were able to apply some of that to uh, to this opening. Um, but some of the challenges are there's one way in and one way out. Uh, they are opening on a Wednesday, uh, which means we are competing with rush hour traffic morning and afternoon. Um, so while we were able to uh, <clears throat> Like I said, apply some of the things that we learned from the premium outlets. Uh, we're, we understand we're going to have some hiccups. And, but staffing-wise, uh, what we've decided to do is uh, we're going to have an off-duty officer down here at USAA Drive. Uh, we expect a lot of heavy traffic down here. There's a uh, commercial district back here. Um, rush hour, morning and afternoon is very heavy. Uh, so our goal is to make sure to try to keep all the intersections as, as clear as possible. Uh, so we'll have an officer there. At the main entrance, we are going to have three officers uh, at this location. Um, and then in the next slide, you'll see every interstate exit, we will have an officer posted. And they're really going to monitor what this traffic is looking like on the interstate. Uh, State police has also assured us they're going to have some additional uh, officers up there to communicate with us um, if they have any backups and, or accidents. Uh, so with the, um, the three officers assigned to the front of the location, their primary responsibility is obviously to keep the intersection clear, keep traffic moving in and out. Now, IKEA's worked uh, very closely with us. Uh, they have about 900 spots uh, inside the location. Uh, 
if we start seeing heavy backups on Northampton, uh, we will shut down the main entrance and we'll start directing people to the overflow lot, which is in the premium outlets. Uh, and that's even if they have available spots inside, that's just to help us clear that congestion. Uh, in the event that we do close the main entrance, uh, IKEA requires or they, they request that uh, any ADA uh, customers uh, still have access into the main lot. If you do use the shuttle uh, and you, you purchase a large item, you will receive a pickup pass. We will still allow those folks into the, the parking lot to retrieve their items. So uh, moving down towards uh, Wesleyan Drive, again, we have officers staged at every one of the, uh, the exits here. Down at Wesleyan and uh, North, uh, Northampton, we're gonna have, this is, a, this is a pretty beefy intersection, so we have three officers assigned here. Uh, we're still gonna have traffic trying to get into the premium outlets, we're gonna have backups. Uh, more importantly, this lane here, uh, especially afternoon rush hour, we get a lot of backups. Uh, you know, all it takes is one accident or disabled vehicle and uh, it's, it's a parking lot. So we're going to make sure that we keep these intersections clear, push traffic as, as need be, and help direct folks to the, the shuttles uh, in the back of the premium outlets. In the next slide you'll see the shuttle route, but back here at Miller Store in Pritchard, that's the exit where the shuttles are going to be leaving to take the passengers to the, uh, to the main entrance of the IKEA. So we've got two officers back there to help shuttle uh, traffic get out. But additionally, what we learned with the uh, opening of the outlets, we had some issues with airport traffic and uh, the employees being able to get to the airport uh, using uh, Miller Store Road. So this will help, these officers will make sure that we're, uh, they're clearing the congestion back there and, and keeping traffic moving. So in coordination with Virginia Beach, uh, as you move eastbound on Northampton Boulevard, there's two median brakes before you get to Burton Station Road. Uh, we're going to block those median brakes off because what we, we, what we don't want is vehicles trying to do a U-turn to get back into traffic and cause more of a congestion. Uh, Virginia Beach is going to put an officer at Burton Station. Burton Station is currently closed for road construction and it's, it's closed about right here because uh, they still have access to these buildings. Uh, so they're going to have officers there to uh, make sure traffic's not trying to, to do a U-turn and come back out and, and create more congestion. And then the same down here at Baker Road. I don't, I don't foresee it being a, a very big issue down here, but they're going to have uh, two or three officers down there to monitor traffic and communicate with us as well. Uh, so IKEA is, uh, they've contracted 30 passenger shuttles, um, and 30 passenger uh, vehicles. Uh, I, I believe they have, I think it's 30, 30 passenger shuttles, if that makes sense. Um, so the route for the shuttles is going to be, uh, the overflow lot is back here, this, this rear parking lot. So we're going to have the shuttles come out down Miller Store Road, uh, down to Robin Hood, up Military Highway, back down Northampton. And the officers here again will make sure that the shuttles can get in, making that left turn, and then they'll direct the shuttles back out down to premium outlets. Uh, part of the reason we did this was uh, there's a lot of congestion here on the front end. This will be a quicker route for the shuttles to get out so the, the customers feel like they're, they're moving and they're not contending with all the speed bumps trying to get through the parking lot. Uh, there's also going to be uh, one of the, the key things that we, we were really pushing for IKEA to do was uh, adequate signage. Make sure that uh, motorists were aware of uh, where the overflow parking was, if there was any closures, you know, make sure we were directing people in the right direction. Um, because obviously we know it's not going to be just Norfolk residents uh, here coming for the opening, it's going to be residents from all over. Uh, so 
uh, every one of these where you see the IKEA, there's there's going to be signs of some sort directing customers where to go and directing to the overflow locations. So we know we're going to have growing pains with this. The first day is going to be a little challenging. Uh, again, it's, it's it's the middle of the week, um, but I feel like we have adequate staffing out there to address any any issues that we have. We've also worked very closely with traffic engineering. They they're going to help us out with light timing and uh, you know maximize the amount of vehicles we can push through the intersections at a time. Uh, so any questions to me? Yeah, really? No, yeah, Middle Store Road. What's the impact on that again? As far as the shuttles? So uh, down here at Robin Hood and Miller Store, okay. uh, the airport has employee parking. And yes. they actually shuttle their employees to the location. So when the outlets opened up, uh, there was a significant backup on Miller Store for people trying to get into the outlets. Okay. Um, so what we what we ended up having to do was uh, put additional staffing out here to accommodate that traffic so the employees could get to the airport. Um, and. You know, we've built in a couple extra positions in some of these locations, so if need be, I'm, I could potentially float an officer down here to Robin Hood and Miller Store to help that congestion at that location as well. Okay. The reason I ask is because there's a tiny community, uh, I guess it would be north of Miller Store Road that goes into Jose Garden Road. Yes, a lot of seniors, and sometimes they have difficulty getting out. Yes, sir. And we're, if we see congestions back here, we're, we're prepared to okay. deploy officers. All right. To Thank you. Please. Has that uh, congestion worn, uh, kind of worn off as the outlets have normalized, as the traffic has normalized? Yes, ma'am. And that's partly because the outlets have two entrances, so people have, have learned of that rear entrance. So we, we see a good amount of, of traffic utilizing both those uh, ingresses and egresses. Mm -hmm. um, again, with IKEA, we don't we don't have that luxury. It's one way in, one way out. So okay. it's, it's going to be a little challenging. Okay. Thank you, um, Mr. Johnson. I have a question. Lori, when you talked about Ms. Crouch, when you talked about the time, what's the correct time? On our calendar, it says 7 a.m. So I'm working with the clerk's office to ensure that you all have the ability to get out there and onto the property in plenty of time for the start of the ceremony. Um, I am concerned, even with my own team, we're going early just because of the they're going to have the lot open and traffic is going to be moving in and in around the area. I don't want you to miss anything. And the, the office. I don't know what time. I th I'm working with Alan on what time you all should be together, but the ceremony starts at 820. So we need to at 730, we'll, should assemble We're here. here at 730. And then go there. Okay. So I, I just wanted to, just, you guys, uh, know that I live all the way on the other side of the city and this is how I drive to get the city hall. So I don't know why we can't meet at a central location, um, at like at a rec center or something. You're making everybody go to city hall to catch a shuttle to take us over here. I That's mean, true because I live right around the corner. All right. I mean, Lake Taylor High School, not even Lake Taylor, but maybe something more like by Norview, like Norview Rec Center. But because if you try to get to this or in that morning, that's it's going to be difficult. That's why I'm just thinking. How about if, if I ask Lori and Alan to work together to find a spot? That's yeah, y'all think it Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Mr. Riddick, we have a few minutes for council concerns. We're going to start with Mr. Paul R. Riddick. Yeah, thank you. It's about the third time since. We've had Doug here that we've had council concerns, and so I hope we 
have a stenographer to get us some answers. Uh, first of all, I want to thank John Ramstein and his staff uh, for a successful MEAC tournament. I think things went off from my vantage point without a hitch. I want to thank John and them for that. And uh, Norfolk State University, all, although they did not win, uh, they had a great presence and they did go to the uh, NIT and had a pretty good success the first time. Um, and then first, also I'd like to thank all of our council members who attended the last St. Paul meeting last week. Ms. Graves was uh, under the weather and she was not uh, able to be there. But um, it showed uh, the concern for the success or failure of this project. And it just felt good having everybody there, you know, geared up, ready to, you know, um, participate in the conversation. And uh, Andrea had to put her boxing gloves on one time to shut a woman down, but she did. Uh, Tommy? Who needed to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tommy was not there, but I'm sure he's interested because Pleasant Avenue will soon be a topic of discussion. Yeah. Same thing we're doing uptown. I did an event at my daughter's school, yeah. but I'm planning on going to the next um, In regards to Coach's Corner, I'd like for all of the council members who plan to attend our initial meeting, which would be on the 6th of April, be prepared to speak to the youngsters and let them know how committed you are. You know, just a little pep talk. Uh, Tommy, you need to uh, figure out how we can work with the people in, at, in your side of town who want to get involved with the same thing of the Ocean View Rec Center. I saw the Ocean View Rec Center recently on the news and they were very enthusiastic and they got a lot of people out of there. Uh, in regards to the real serious stuff, I'm still extremely concerned about the traffic and the high rate of speed by some motorists. I still say that our biggest offenders are HRT bus drivers, school bus drivers, our city trucks from various departments, as well as tractor trailers trying to get back and forth to the port and to the Midtown Tunnel. Uh, black contractors are not having access to the gym lots, as well as other city projects. It seems to be a slowdown when it comes to blacks doing business with the city. And I was just scratching my head, and I go all the way back to Thomas Maxwell when he was the city manager. It looks like we're going back to the old days again. Uh, the grocery store in Berkeley and the R.A. Tucker Library are still being overlooked. Now, here's one thing that, uh, and my last thing, uh, in regards to Calvary Cemetery, Calvary Cemetery, um, there was a, a, a call about closing more grave, more uh, roads to provide additional grave spaces. By closing the roads, it makes it difficult for seniors and disabled to visit graves of loved, loved ones. One of the biggest fights that uh, we had on this council, probably before most of you got here, was when they tried to say they were going to close some graves at Elmwood Cemetery. They had the Norfolk Flower Club, the Ladies of the Confederacy, everybody in the world. And so I just don't think that we can afford to close any grave spaces anymore in Calvary Cemetery. But one thing I would like for us to suggest is looking at an indoor mausoleum at Calvary. We've been very successful with the one at, uh, at uh, Forest Lawn. And, um, and so there's a thought of one also at Calvary. And one thing I'd like to suggest is that we start accepting prepayments of opening and closing of grave spaces, uh, uh, Doug. Right now, you know, you can, a lot of people don't know 
that you can put a contract, you $50 and you can put a contract on a grave at Calvary, not Calvary, at all of our cemeteries and have two years to pay for it with no interest. When I first became a member of council, if you lived outside the city, you had to pay 25% more. Well, we broke that up and we created this department where people can, you know, buy um, spaces uh, on installments with no interest. And a lot of our citizens don't know that. And if we do the same thing with opening and closing of the graves, then I think that'll give us a windfall as far as, you know, monies are concerned. And that's put in a perpetual care. It's not able to, you know, to spend it. And as far as our cemeteries are concerned in Norfolk, we really have the best deal going because we don't have salesmen. You know, we have people who are working from nine to five and they're not making a commission on selling grave spaces, not making a commission on selling uh, mausoleums and all that kind of thing. So I think we need to kind of realize that that's a jewel that we got that we can work on. And that's, that's all that I have. All right, Mr. Johnson. Also to address the, the cemeteries as well, um, uh, maybe a year ago in my ride about um, we had lots of discussion on identifying graves and that we have graves through I have one in my ward in Oakwood um, near, graves outside of our cemeteries yes and um, I got a call from a constituent for something else and walked across the street in this tall weeds and found um, headstones mm -hmm. that dated back uh, an extended period of time. And so we're, we're not sure. Well, we know that it doesn't belong to the church. We, we, we do know that part of it, but they've been um, so gracious to meet us halfway and take care of it. But a, a report was never done on where we are with identifying some of these grave sites throughout our city. So I would like to, to have a report on where we are with these cemeteries that are near churches, but it's not on church ground and are in lots next to houses in our, in our city. We have a, a, a couple of them, a lot of them. And Mamie, I think I, I told you. And uh, your students yeah. uh, cleaned up that. Fifteen that years area. ago, we cleaned that that cemetery up. We planted trees in it, and found that nobody had ownership. And still to this day, there's none. No. But I have a group of students at my um, school now that are taking that on as a project, and are going to be meeting with city folks to try to see if the church there will want to take ownership or if it can come under the city of Norfolk cemeteries. But there's still actually space there for more graves yeah. um it, it could become a, a nice little cemetery for the community um but also are there other grave are there other graves under there that are not marked um, there yeah, are yeah. there's another one adjacent it's just a lot and there were um headstones there that date back for an extended mm -hmm. period of, of time and the, the department of neighborhood development um, did the walkthrough with me and had been working on um, exactly what to do um, as far as this cemetery is concerned in, in the community of, of Oakwood. How does nobody own it? 
I mean, how does nobody own it? I think she really, uh, I think around 97, it was determined that uh, Mount Gilead uh, owned that, they, you know, that cemetery. I think Phil Japan was the lawyer then, and he explored it and came out that um, Mount Gilead does own that cemetery, and there are some available spaces there. To, to partner up with Mount Gilead. I got one more. Go, go right on. Um, also, um, recently we had uh, the city does their senior citizen tax relief, um, and we provide work sessions. Um, I really want to to thank Team Norfolk um, in their efforts to providing the number of uh, work sessions for the senior citizen tax tax relief. But one of the things that I really had to do was to um, when something as great as this that has an impact on all of our citizens, we need to plan for the entire community. And it was not planned for the entire city. Um, but Team Norfolk stepped in. Um, I could not speak for Mr. Riddick and um, Councilwoman Graves. Um, but I'm sure, uh, well, I, I won't speak for them either, but we, we have to provide sessions from the entire city. So for at Jordan Newby, there are going to be two sessions for an hour and a half. And at Norview, there's a one day set aside. When we're planning these sessions, I think that we need to balance it out across the city so that everybody will have um, an opportunity to attend many sessions to help with the senior citizen tax relief because it is big. Um, and so I am aware that the South Side and um, Super Ward 7 as a whole um, is not covered as far as the senior citizen tax relief. Time is great. One of the things you're going to see me talk about in a few minutes, you know, we like to tell you kind of what we did last year, what we're going to work on the next okay. year, and uh, the, the senior tax relief program process. All that is one of the things we're going, we okay. think we can do better. And thanks again to Team Norfolk for uh, being able to put in some, some more dates to be able to cover the entire city. I appreciate it. All right, Ms. Graves and Ms. McCullough. Um, I'd like to add an explanation on R7. R7. Um, uh, you want to get through council concerns? You want me to jump into that? How do you want to? Uh, let's get through council. Ms. Graves, is that okay? Finish and get through the agenda. Okay. All right. All right, Mr. Reed. You good? All right, Mr. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, just, just a point of order. I didn't know we were going to have council concerns. It wasn't on the agenda. Yes. I, I would have prepared something to do that. I, I think that it's a great thing to do, and I think we need to have the opportunity to discuss amongst ourselves a variety of issues. Um, it's very important. We talked about doing that. We haven't done it. So I appreciate where Mr. Ray is. You came prepared. I just don't think it's, um, I think the rest of us are sort of caught off guard, and I would like for this to become a regular thing on our agenda. Um, we can set some ground rules on how much time each of us has, because I know that we have limited time, but. Um, you know, I think this is a, a great thing. I'm just frustrated because I think we're all looking around going, well, council concerns, what council concerns? So if we could make this a regular thing and give us some advance notice, that would be great. And maybe set some ground rules. Okay. Thank you. I think this really was all I prepared. Well, didn't know it was an option. 
I can always make up stuff. <laughs> I do have something. I'd rather explain our stuff. <laughs> so, um, road resurfacing. I'm very happy to see that Tidewater Drive is being resurfaced. I have no clue who has coordinated it, but it has been unorganized. There's, there was no warning about this section being resurfaced. And there was a period of days where they started and they, they took the lines out. Um, and then there was no temporary lines put in. And Mr. Riddick has, how many years has talked about the narrow lanes on there, but the amount of potential accidents that are, have probably could have happened. I don't know, they may have happened because there were no temporary lines. I don't know who the contractor is that's working on this, but they just stopped work. There was nobody working on this for two days. But according to multiple people, nobody, there was no warning signs for a major corridor. And this is all the way from, I think, Walmart now. I mean, there's different sections all the way to Lafayette. Um, but uh, I mean, everybody's posting about it. And then all of a sudden, there's a new warning about asphalt that's being placed under the um, Tidewater Drive underpass, which we just spent $6 million <coughs> um, overhauling that. And so now citizens are asking, why is another 450000 which is the estimated budget on this, being spent on putting asphalt on top of cement, which we were told by engineers that that's one of the problems we have on a lot of yeah. our roads yeah. is that we put asphalt on top of cement. So I don't, I don't it says it's for safety reasons, but a lot of people are asking, why wasn't that just done? And that was a state matching grant, so it was like three million from the city and three million from the state on that. But now another four hundred fifty, because what citizens are asking is, there's so many roads in Norfolk that need resurfacing. Why are we spending four hundred fifty thousand on a roadway that's just been done that has new cement on it? Um, but I, I, I'm very happy to see. Please don't get me wrong. And I, I looked up last night on um, Public Works website. And I saw the 2019-2020 road resurfacing plan because I was getting ready to email Pete and Richard about Old Ocean View Avenue, which I counted 12 potholes on. But it looks like they're out there marking it now, getting ready to grind it down um, on this. But we, and I brought it up with my budget um, conversation as well, that our roads are deteriorating so fast in Norfolk and we're not keeping up with it that I'm hoping that in this budget, that you have added more money into it for road resurfacing. Um, Little Creek Road is in awful shape. Azalea Garden Road is in awful shape. Some of these roads that I travel all the time, and I've seen this. And then we've had, like I said, Dominion, I mean, not Dominion, um, Virginia Natural Gas has come in and tore up some of these roads and they patched them. Um, but I, I, I think that we've got to do a comprehensive look. And I know you guys are going to try to do a road system uh, resurfacing just like you do with the CIP um, stormwater projects. But until then, we've got to, uh, the patching is not working on some of these roads. I, I just, but uh, whatever happened with Tywater Drive, we need to get, figure out, that was a, um, there was no notice on it. I, I was completely blindsided by this. There were no, usually there's signage up. I didn't see any signage on this. Uh, maybe it's because we, we came into some extra money, so we had to move quickly on it. But it, it's such a major corridor for us to have to do this. That's inconvenienced a lot. Has anybody experienced Tidewater Drive with, since this resurfacing? It is road resurfacing because everywhere that I drive, there seems to be a road that's going up right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Here and here late. Mm -hmm. I mean, but the good news is 
we need this done, so I'm happy about that. But I think there's some. I don't so know. Well, traffic's been backed up literally from um, Lafayette Boulevard, or, or yeah. let's say Cromwell, I'll be a little bit generous, Cromwell. all the way to the Walmart. If you can imagine that underpass in Full Street, um, because of no court, there was no direction to tell people to use Granby Street or an alternative during this period of time. It was just. So let's do this. I'll look at Richard, but for, for your Friday packet, if this works for you, we'll put sort of an explanation of what's. Um, uh, happened here lately, uh, what's going on, kind of answer some of your really specific questions, take a look at that, and if you feel like we need to have a conversation Tuesday night uh, explaining what you get Friday, we'll do that. Is that, does that work for you? Okay. Thanks. One yeah. more. Yeah. I'm yes. sorry. I, I just want to um, echo Mr. Riddick's sentiments in terms of thanking the council members for coming out to the St. Paul's um, quadrant meeting to say I was under the weather is an understatement, but I'm thankful to be back and I appreciate um, all of you all who showed up and um, to the staff who worked so um, quickly to get everything rearranged and in place to make sure that the meeting went off um, without a hitch. So thank you. the members of the council assembly. Before we go, yeah. do we talk about R7? You want to do it out front? Oh, do you, yeah, what do you want to R7. Do? Well, yes. Uh, do I mean, just do it here since you're, yes, I'm sorry. Can you, you, you talk about the Harvard's Edge, yes, right? Okay, yes, so, yes, so yes, the quick, you. and I'll ask uh, uh, Jared or Michelle if they're here to chime in where, where I missed, but our, this is the item on your, with the uh, can you continuum care uh, facility, uh, Harbor's Edge. This is phase two. Why are we giving them money? So remember, but, um, um, Remember, this was a conversation we had um, in closed sessions, sort of walking through the, the request for, for you all. Um, this is um, essentially an extension, um, expansion from phase one. Uh, we changed this relationship. I think there was a, an expectation that we would be asked to support phase two. Um, if you remember in phase one, we did a pilot, a payment of lieu and taxes. And uh, this past time, what we talked about was rather than doing that, uh, we wanted to have that money flow back into the community. So rather than a pilot, we're doing a grant. Uh, that grant would be for five years uh, to cover their debt service, excuse me, cover their cash flow shortfalls uh, for their debt service uh, coverage. And so in order for them to get their financing, they needed support from the city uh, in the form of this grant. And so what we did that's different this time is once those payments are made, that money will come back, and this was Mr. Riddick um, uh, thought helped us think through this, would actually go back into their foundation and uh, flow into the community through um, support for senior housing, uh, with an emphasis, frankly, on St. Paul's, but an ability for that money to be spent citywide. And if you remember in your packet, you'll see the, um, uh, you all get to put a, um, a member, a director, on the foundation. Uh, you all have control in uh, terms of- I'm sorry. Um let, let me finish. Uh, okay. And I said, if I'm missing anything, I'd ask you or Michelle to. Yep. Um, we we uh, don't have the ability to put a director on the foundation. Then, then I'm Michelle looking at Michelle. Her email to me. Michelle. She's not here. Um, yeah, I, I've got the uh, draft here. Um, so we'll clarify that, but that's. The, the draft I had um, had that that in there. And we talked about that. The foundation bylaws. They're going to be changing their bylaws right. to, to, to add a member. So we will for, for, for the city to appoint a member to the foundation. 
Sir, can yeah, you foundation board? We, we need to we'll clarify that. Clar before clarify seven. that, and before we get upstairs, can we get that answer? Sure. sure. Okay. Go ahead. Continue. All right. And um, so that's sort of the the, the mechanism. Uh, you're talking about a, a facility that would be, I'm doing all something off the top of my head, $150 million uh, construction. Uh, Jared, 90 new jobs, uh, average salary of $43,000. And um, over time, uh, once the um, we get through this grant phase, you'll generate about $2.4 million a year in revenues from the project for, uh, for the city. Those taxes would not be realized. That's correct. Okay, I guess I just don't understand why they're getting financing and the, and they still need city help in order to get their financing. Why can't the deal so stand this on was, its own this, two feet? This was because um, in order to um, uh, sell their bonds, they needed a certain debt sub, debt service coverage, and um, their uh, pro forma did not generate that amount of money. So we we're backfilling, Here's we're backstepping you. that. Hey, um, so the question we talked a little bit about. Um, Today, so they, the, I'm sorry. Hold on, their performer doesn't generate. That's right. So we needed so we seven million dollars in the first five years. In the first five years, so correct. we're giving it to them. That's correct. But we're getting it back. That's correct. But then they, the difference. How is that, are we getting it back? So that money flows back from um, Harbor's Edge through their foundation, which will be uh, put back in the community for supporting uh, senior housing in Norfolk. So not coming back as cash. Coming back. So, so Derek, I think you need to good. distinguish the phase one pilot where that money did come back versus this. Uh, right, that money didn't come back. So that money was a reduction, and I wasn't here for phase one. And Bernie may clean this up, but the payment in lieu of taxes was this, was was less than they would have paid in taxes. Right. So that that subsidy simply um, was a subsidy. In this case, that money will come back. The money that we put in will come back into the community. Um, through the foundation as, as support for senior housing. But but when you say come back to the community, mm -hmm. for me, I need clarity on that because if this is a citywide mm -hmm. um, a, a council decision, then the question becomes how will it come back to the city when we say we're going to address senior housing, who makes that decision? And is it? Are we saying that it's going all to um, St. Paul's, or are we including the entire um, city? Because, and Mr. Riddick, maybe you can clarify what you suggested yeah. as well. I think I think when, what I said was when they built Westminster Canterbury, right? They took a portion of their initial money and put it in a foundation. Mm -hmm. So then let's just say, for instance, if you had someone who had a shortfall, a regular citizen, uh, and they were able to get into Westminster Canterbury, you know, using that shortfall. In this particular instance, if a, you might have somebody there and the family might run out of money, you know, and that money will help them to continue to be there. And, and I thought that that's exactly what I heard yeah. uh, Mr. Riddick say, that let's just say there were, that there be available spaces mm -hmm. for um, ordinary citizens to possibly um, live at Harbor's Edge, Mr. Riddick? So let's say, for instance, this is an example. Let's say, for instance, you have somebody that might be living in... Uh, 
story out in some neighborhood okay. where they could sell their homes and realize three fifty, four hundred thousand dollars, but they might need another, you know, boost, you know, to get them in. This would that money from the foundation would help somebody who uh, needed a help, you know, a lift up to get in there. Yeah, yeah, it's a little gap filler. Yeah. All right, Ms. McClellan, and I go back to Ms. Johnson if you're not clear on this race. So, as I understand it, because I've asked a lot of these mm -hmm. questions as well, um, I was concerned where that seven and a half million dollars was going to go. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was very important. So, um, I wanted to determine what the ability of the foundation was there. It's it's serving. It's meant in the bylaws to serve underserved communities and not to build housing, but to right. provide scholarship or assistance to other. It doesn't have to be Harbor's Edge. This is also very important. It can be anywhere. Absolutely. Um, in Norfolk, quite honestly, Hampton Roads, but all underserved communities. And what I asked for, which is which we don't typically get, I want an annual accounting of where those dollars go. Okay, if you say you're going to do it, let's see where it goes, and let's see how it's spent. So that's been added to the amended agreement. As I think, I think we should we should have that. And having a seat on the, the foundation board, I think, is very important. I mean, all in all, this gets to what we're trying to do. We're trying to help seniors throughout Norfolk. So I think this is a much better deal than anything we've done before. But we just have to tighten it up a little bit. But you said our $7 million could go anywhere, including all of Hampton Roads. <coughs> no, so I think I they tightened it up to only Norfolk. Their documents would be that way, but we said they can only be used for current residents so for and in the city they have to also reside in the city as they well. have yeah it would yeah it's it's for residents of the city of Norfolk and if they happen to be in Harbor's Edge already so they ran out of funds it would be for people who had lived in Norfolk prior to their admission to Harbor's Edge so it is limited to residents of but the they city could Norfolk. they could be residents of Norfolk and then move to a, a care facility that's in Chesapeake or Virginia Beach I don't think it would stop that as long as they were residents of the city when they were served with these funds um, but we can I mean, if the preference would be that it's for facilities within the city, we could add that as well. It seems to me that that would putting that limitation of Norfolk City. It should be for it should it should be for Norfolk residents. We're yeah. we're using. Uh, well, it's clearly Norfolk residents, but I think the question is, do you want it to be Norfolk yeah, residents that are staying in, in a facility in Norfolk? And I think that's. I would, nice. I, I would yes. agree to that. Okay. Uh, that's not, that's easy. To, I would agree to that. Yeah. And, and Michelle, the. Um, Council has the ability to appoint a member to the foundation. There are currently four members on the board, and we have requested the ability to appoint one of those. We've requested it, but it's, it's not it's in, in the, the, it's in the it's agreement. In the, yeah. There's a draft since it's the last there. one, I guess. No, it's been in there since the first draft. Okay, all right, any other? Okay, Mr. Bull. Angel, it's over. No, I'm good. Okay, Mr. Bull. I move that members of the Council Assembly for a closed meeting on March 26, 2019. At 544, the 10th floor conference room of the City Hall and City Hall for the purpose of the Clause 7 of Subsection A, Section 2.2 of the Virginia Freedom of Information Act, as amended. Clause 7 consultation with legal counsel pertaining to probable litigation in the Curlew Drive area of the city. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. 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 Aye